Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. The Bible is the single most important book in history. It is the very words of God put on paper. In this podcast, we will walk through the pages of His Word as we seek to understand His message to us. In Isaiah 55:11, God says, My word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. As we study His Word, He will accomplish within us what He desires. That is our prayer. That is the journey. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Journey Through the Bible. This is Josh. I'm so excited for another episode of Journey Through the Bible. We are making our way through the book of Ephesians. Today we're going to be in chapter 4, verse 17 through 32. I encourage you, if you're listening to this in an environment that allows you to have an open Bible in front of you, uh, do so so you can read along and study along. If you're in a car or something like that, obviously that's not a possibility. I'll be reading it as well. I want to remind you, you can find the Facebook home of Journey Through the Bible on Facebook. You can also find the website home of Journey Through the Bible at revival-america.com. Um, not only will you find Journey Through the Bible there, but you'll also find some other resources on revival, some blogs, and, and things uh, of, that, of that nature. On the website, you'll also be able to find a study guide. You can go to the Journey Through the Bible um, website page, and down at the bottom there is a study guide you can download and follow along in the notes there if that is something you enjoy doing. Today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 32. So let's start off and I'll read it for you. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. We see here again this contrast that Paul has produced for us many times in Ephesians between the old life and our new life. Here's what you were, here's who you were, now here's who you are and the resulting difference that that makes. He begins this passage strongly, 
Paul says, Now this I say and testify. The word for testify, it can also mean to charge as to as in to insist or to urge strongly. So Paul's saying, I urge you strongly. I insist that you do this. What, what is that? Well, don't walk any longer as the Gentiles walk. Now I want to remind us from pre- previous episodes how Paul is using this term walk here in Ephesians. He's using this term walk as a way of doing life, just as not only behavior, but just all encompassing aspect of how you do life. And he tells us, well, hey, don't, don't walk any longer. Don't live your life any longer in the way that the Gentiles live their lives. So I want to remind us of the description of those without Christ. We can go back to chapter 2, the first three verses of chapter 2, to remind us who we were without Christ, who we are without Christ. We remind ourselves that we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, right? We were incapable of living righteously. We remind ourselves that we walked according to the course of this world. That, that is the unrighteous influence around us. We walked according to the prince of the power of the air. We, we followed the enemy. We were in step with the desires of the devil. This is who we were before Christ. We conducted ourselves according to the lusts of our flesh. Right? Not only was the influence we were following, right? not only were we following the influence of Satan, but we ourselves were against God by our very nature. This is who we are without Christ. And this is what Paul is telling us. Don't walk like that any longer. Don't walk as the rest of the Gentiles do. And he says the Gentiles are futile in their minds. Don't walk as the rest of the Gentiles in the futility of their minds. This idea of futility of their minds is this idea of useless thinking or, or aimless thinking. We can go over to the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 21 through 23, and we see like this, this end result of this aimless thinking that happens without Christ. Romans 1, 21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. You see that just the the declination that happens here in, in Romans, right? We were futile in our mind, and so we set up for ourselves these images in place of the immortal God. And these images get worse, right? Mortal man, and then down to birds and animals, and then down to creeping things, even insects and those, those things. You see this declination that happens. But what we're talking about, Paul says in the futility of their minds, it's this idea of a wild goose chase. Right? We're wandering blindly, but, but we're not only wandering blindly, we don't even know what we're looking for. It, it's, it's not enough that there's a goal and we can't reach it because we are blind, but we don't even know what the goal is. We don't even know what we're looking for. And so as a result, we follow our own desires and we end up making a mess of things as we go deeper and deeper into depravity. That's, that's a pretty, pretty bleak picture that Paul is painting for us here. And he continues, he says, not only are they futile in their minds, they're, they're aimless thinking. They, they, not only can they not find what they're looking for, they don't even know what they're looking for. And beyond that, their understanding is darkened. They're blind to what is true. This this 
references back for me back to verse 18 in chapter 1 where Paul t- prays that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened right that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened well, why why do the eyes of our understanding need enlightened because by nature we are blind to what is true we have a darkened understanding Paul continues their darkened understanding and the blindness of heart this leads to ignorance, all of which resulted in us being alienated from the life of God. Paul refers and he kind of brings to mind this, this connection with the divine that humanity is supposed to have. And we, we can go back and look at Genesis and the creation of man, right, in verse 7 of chapter 2 of Genesis. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, while obviously we're not talking about a, a, a direct physical link or facet there is a spiritual aspect of this breath of life that we find ourselves doing life without because we are alienated from the life of god this life that god gives we were alienated from because of the blindness and the ignorance of our hearts and beyond that paul continues he says we were callous towards doing right or wrong Verse 19, right? They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That's the ESV. The the New King James says it this way, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness and greediness. Now this phrase, being past feeling, what, what, what is the description we're giving here? Imagine, right? Imagine if you were to consistently go outside, walk across gravel or pavement barefoot, what's going to happen? Right, your feet are going to become callous. They're, you're not going to be able to feel uh, what 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 once hurt you is not going to hurt you anymore. And th- this is the description that Paul gives of the Gentiles walking in the futility of their mind. They've become callous to the things that are wrong. This is us without Christ, guys. This is who we are without Christ. We become callous towards the things that are wrong and the things that we that will hurt us. We don't know are hurting us, and we're doing them. And Paul says, not only are we doing them, we're greedy to do it. He continues, he says, we are greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Now, what, what does it mean to practice? Right? You practice with the intent of making yourself better at that which you practice. You practice with the intent of making yourself better at that which you practice. And so Paul is here, he's using this phrase, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. This word greedy is it's having or showing an intense and selfish desire for something. It's this idea of a ravenous or an insatiable or an unquenchable desire for every kind of impurity. All these are what Paul is saying those who are walking as the Gentiles walk are like. We are greedy. We are callous. We're hard-hearted. We're darkened in our understanding. We're blind to what is true. And I want us to understand, or I want us to remember all of this in context. We're talking about the way we walk, the way we live our life. What has Ephesians shown us about our walk? Well, our walk is determined by our nature. So this passage in chapter 4, I want us to understand this is behavior-based language that Paul was using. We can go back to chapter 2 and look at the nature-based conversation that Paul has. We're going to do that here in just a second. We're going to compare uh, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 with 
here, 17 through 19 in chapter 4, because what we see is there is a direct link between our nature of chapter 2 and our behavior here in chapter 4. Right, so if we look at uh, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, right, we were dead in our trespasses, we were walking after the course of this world, we were walking according to the prince of the power of the air, we conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. Here in chapter 4, we're walking in the futility of our mind, we're darkened in our understanding, we're callous towards right and wrong, and we're greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Right, nature. We were dead in our trespasses. That is us by nature. And because we are dead in our trespasses, our behavior is one where we walk in the futility of our mind. Because we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we walk aimlessly. We walk without goal. We walk blindly. Chapter 2, we walked after the course of this world. Our nature was one that desired the things of this world. And so here in chapter 4, our understanding is darkened. Our hearts are blind. We are ignorant and alienated from the life of God. In chapter 2, we walked according to the prince of the power of the air. Our nature longed after the things of evil. Verse th- or, or, or chapter 4, we're callous towards right and wrong. In chapter 2, we conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. Our nature, not only were we desiring the things, uh, evil things because of the influence of Satan, our nature itself was evil. And thus, here in chapter 4, our behavior is one where we are greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That's a, that's a pretty bleak picture. That's a pretty bleak picture. But Paul continues, he says, but this isn't you. This isn't how you learned Christ. Remember, he's talking to us. He says, this isn't how you learned Christ. We look back at the my changed nature of chapter 2, verse 4 through 10, right? But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And so what we see is my changed nature of chapter 2 changes my behavior. And this is the point of what Paul is saying in the latter half of Ephesians. He says, but this isn't you. Don't walk, don't behave, don't live like the rest of the Gentiles do because that's not what you learned in Christ. Your nature has been changed and so that thusly changes your behavior. And what we see, it's a shift from what we see is solely the responsibility of Jesus in chapters 1 through 3, right? There's not a whole lot we did. There's not a whole lot for us to do in chapters 1 through 3 of Ephesians. It is a work of Christ in our hearts. He changes our nature. Here, Paul is telling us to respond properly to our changed nature. Jesus has changed your nature, Paul says. Now, change your behavior. Jesus has effected a change in the very essence of who you are. Now, let's see that reflected in how you live. He says, put off your old self. This is behavior-based language, right? He says, put off concerning your former conduct, the old man. He tells us to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. I want to contrast this with the futility of mind we see in verse 1, right? Don't walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Paul says, but you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Whereas sinners are walking in the futility of their mind without aim, we are to have our minds renewed. We, we can go back over to Romans chapter 12. 
verse 1 and 2, right? He's, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We walk with an aim to please God. We live our lives with a desire to please the one who gave himself for us. Whereas at one time my life had no bearing, no direction, I was walking blind, but now my life has meaning. God has given me direction. And so my response is, I'm going to put off the old self. He wasn't getting any, me anywhere, and I'm going to put on the new self. And I'm going to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, which even that is a work of Christ. Paul tells us to put on the new self. Again, notice the subject of this sentence. It's you. You put on the new self. You put off the old man. You put on the new this is something Paul is urging us to take part in. Living a life pleasing to God does not happen by accident. It does not happen on its own. It is the work of Jesus to give a new nature. But I don't think we can escape our responsibility in walking in our new nature. It is Jesus who changes who we are, the very essence of our being. But we do have a responsibility to walk thusly. Right, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Two thoughts here on this passage in 2 Corinthians. Passed away and come. The old has passed away. In the Greek, that's the aorist active indicative, which means the action was in the past and it has happened. Right? The old has passed away. Our nature has been changed. It's in the past. It has happened in the past. But come, the new has come, is in the present active indicative, which means the action has happened and continues to happen. Right? We've put off the old man. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. We've been changed. And the new has come, and that is something we do daily, put on the new self. We, we, we can't read Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 and think it applies to us once and no more. right? But this is a lifelong process where we are putting on the new man. Every day we are understanding what it means to walk in Christ a little bit more. Every day we are understanding what it means to put on and to walk in the nature that Christ has already given us. We are allowing our changed nature to take over with continued and growing effect in our lives. And this new self, Paul tells us, is created in the likeness of God. Right? He says in righteousness and in holiness. This righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus. This is the legal standing that we have before God. Right? He tells us our new self is created in righteousness and holiness. The righteousness, this is how the Father looks at us. And he sees us standing in the righteousness of Christ. But holiness, this is the way we live. This is the choices we make. This is the behavior that we, that we follow. This is how we act, how we talk, the things we participate in. Both are important, and both are aspects of the new self that Christ has given us. And so Paul here, he tells us to put away and to put on. So allow me to recenter ourselves on a major theme of this latter half of Ephesians. 
right? Kind of just recentering ourselves. We're, we're all one in Christ, Paul is saying. You remember that from the first half of chapter 4. Unity of the body is intimately and vastly important. With that in mind, Paul gives us this list of things to put off and conversely, things to put on. So he has this whole conversation, right? Don't walk as the Gentiles walk. Put off the old. That's not who you are. That's not who you learned. That's not how you learned Christ. So put off all that and put on this new nature, this new nature, which, which is created in righteousness and holiness. And then Paul gives us this list, which really kind of practicalizes it for us, if I can say it that way, right? It really makes it practical for us. So what are we putting off? And what are we putting on? And that is the latter half of, of this, of chapter four here. Paul gives us this list of things to put off and put on. All things that, are, that enable us to live in harmony with one another. And the beautiful thing about this, I love this, is not only does God tell us to do something, but he tells us how. He's not just saying, hey, put off the old, put on the new. That's it. Okay, well, what, what, what does that mean? How, how do I do that? No, he, he gives us the practical steps. Here, here's how we do that. Well, he tells us to put off falsehood and to put on truth. Verse 25, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his, with his neighbor. Why? Because we're all members of one another. Right? We're all one body. Those of us who are in Christ are all one body. So put away the lying. Put off the falsehood. Put on truth. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Give no place to the devil. All right? He tells us, put off angering incorrectly and put on emotional control. Put off angering incorrectly. Put on emotional control. Emotional control is a sign of maturity. The de- this is going to be a little bit of a stretch here, but I don't think it's, it's incorrect. Right? The devil became the devil from a place of emotion. Right? He felt he was better than God. He became envious of God's position, and thus he acted out of his selfishness and pride. We can be angry, but there's a right way to do it. This is something we, we all have to learn. You know, as we grow up, we have to learn this emotional control. We have to learn, you know, what do I do with how I'm feeling? These emotions come up with inside us, whether it's anger or, or sadness or stress or whatever the emotion may be. If we don't learn how to direct those emotions and how to control those emotions, how to healthy, in a healthy way release those emotions, what happens? Those emotions end up controlling us. If I don't learn to control myself when I feel angry then anger is going to control me. If I don't learn how to deal with stress because stress will come, then I become dominated by stress. If we, we can fill in the blank for any emotion that you want to talk about. Right? If we don't learn how to properly channel Right. Emotions are a gift from God. And so emotions of themselves, and Paul is not saying that, that even anger here is bad in and of itself, but he says there's a right way to do it. And as we think about right, living life in community, living life uni- unified with other believers, right, emotional control is essential. He tells us to put off dishonesty. 
put on honesty. And he, and he does this in a way through work, right? Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor. Working hard is all throughout Scripture. We live in a culture today that is continually, incessantly, and increasingly devaluing the concept of hard work. But the value of hard work, the idea, the concept of hard work is biblical. As Christians, we should be the hardest working people on this planet. But not just for ourselves, right? Paul says, let him labor, let him work with his hands what is good so that he may have something to give. We work for the good of each other. Work was given to mankind from the very beginning. For eternity, we will be working, not laboring. We understand the difference between, I want us to grasp, like there is a difference, right? At the, at the curse, when, when, when man fell, right? One of the curses given to man was that you were going to work and your hands aren't really going to produce anything. And so th- that aspect of it is going to be erased in eternity. But we're still going to be working because that is a God-given principle for life. Paul tells us to put off corrupting talk, put on edifying talk. Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And let us put off bitterness, wrath, and anger. Let us put on kindness, tenderheartedness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. Right, verse 31 through 32. Paul gives us this list. Put off this stuff. Put on this stuff. This is how you live in harmony. This is how you walk in the new nature that Christ has given you. So let us pray. Jesus, help us to walk out the new nature that you've given us. Help us to put off the old, put on the new, and walk in a manner that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.